We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Hey everybody, Dan cutting in here. There is no official number to the Barcelona podcast this week. This is a pretty long episode, as you see, but what it is, it's me flying solo on a match review of Brazil against Argentina. It's a little bit longer than I normally put up on Patreon, but it is a teaser, basically, and uh, a little sample of what you will get if you sign up on Patreon for as low as $1 throughout the season. And as you know, there are no ads. Patreon is how I get this show done, tbpod.link backslash Patreon, or just going to Patreon, the Barcelona podcast. That's how you help me out. So that's what this is. This is a Brazil versus Argentina review where I'm going to go on and on and on, where I end it all with that spiel about Argentina and about Messi and all of that. We're going to break it down, break some of the goals down uh, tactically. I'm going to continue to try to piece through some of that. And we're going to talk about Arthur, Coutinho, how this affects Barcelona, all those different things as we get into this here. So, without further ado, well, here's me. All right, everybody, time to talk about Brazil's 2-0 win over Argentina in the semifinal of the Copa America. When the lineups broke, you saw the interim manager for Argentina, Linos Scaloni. He went with the same lineup he had gone in the previous game, as this has been a team and a starting 11 that has grown together as the tournament has gone along, and they have improved uh, basically from match to match, where uh, universally, I think across the board, so many pundits had said that uh, this was the best Argentina played. Uh, and I, I do want to start off the top by, by saying that because of the, we'll call it the Messi bias coming from Barcelona and the, the echo chamber that we are, and because he's the biggest name, um, both you know, Barcelona-centric media and then as well as uh, international media make this about Messi. But, you know, if you had watched both these teams throughout the tournament, particularly after seeing what Brazil had done to Peru, Brazil were w- was the far better team in this tournament, and Argentina just happened to be improving. And I think that improvement is what made people believe that, I mean, uh, and with the Messi factor, the improvement plus Messi made people believe that Argentina, at their best, might be able to overtake Brazil. 
That said, uh, these issues with the starting 11 for Argentina continue to be the same. Uh, but I, I, I'm not sure if we can be as skeptical as I, I think people had said, even on the American broadcast here on uh, ESPN Plus, that Rodrigo DePaul is a winger. That's true. That's where he's most comfortable. That's where you get the best out of him. He's not a midfielder. Uh, and it, it's very recognizable when you see Coutinho on the other side, Felipe Coutinho playing as uh, that number 10 in the middle with Arter and Casemiro behind him, and then with uh, Everton out on the wing to his left, and Firmino, uh, Roberto Firmino out on the wing to his right, and Gabriel Jesus uh, working out in front. But there's so much movement in the uh, the front line, which we'll get into for Brazil, that Coutinho really just has a, a free-roaming ability to stay in the center of the field where he is most comfortable. So that's the big difference. That to Paul, who we saw, you know, He's normally a winger, but he's been forced into a center midfielder role. Meanwhile, Coutinho, who really is playing where comfortably he is, we see at Barcelona when he plays as a winger where he's less comfortable. But for Udinese this season, I saw that DePaul, uh, he has played 11 times on the left wing and 11 times as a central midfielder. So um, believe it or not, even though, again, he is naturally, and a lot of times younger players do come up like that, but he's in his mid-20s, and he is just really a versatile piece at this point. Marcus Acuna uh, for Sporting CP, who was the left midfielder in that midfield three. He's a left back primarily uh, in Portugal. Again, that is common knowledge. But I, I, I looked and he does have a few appearances at left midfield and even four appearances this season as a central midfielder. You know, the caveats there is that obviously for Udinese in the Serie A, unless you're playing Juventus, uh, or you know potentially Napoli on their best day. It's not going to be at the level of playing Brazil in international competition. Same thing for Acuna. When you're playing central midfield against the, uh, the bottom of the barrel in the Portuguese first division, that's a lot different than playing against the Brazil midfield at, in, in, the, in an international competition like the Copa America. But what I, I think needs to be uh, examined here with uh, Paredes, who plays for PSG now, uh, as that defensive midfielder, and then DePaul and Acuna trying to utilize with, but uh, but still needing to do some work in the center of the, of the park. It does make you notice that with Giovanni Lachelso being dropped for this match, uh, obviously he was brought on later as a sub, but you look at the system that's being built around Messi. And I've considered this a long time as Argentina has continually, obviously, fired manager after manager after manager and trying to throw something against the wall with a coaching staff to see if something fits. And I think that lack of continuity does really hurt because we look at uh, the way Messi has always played uh, basically throughout his career starting in maybe like 2008. Really, it was his first maybe three seasons where he was just like useful legs, useful winger. Since that time, you really do build a system around Messi. And what you notice is that does take time, that a player of his caliber I don't think it, it goes to the psychological uh, presence of his teammates that they don't believe that they're good enough or can get to Messi, but he's expecting things and the game just works so much quicker for him that unless you play with each other time and time and time again, and that's why Messi and Suarez, uh, maybe that's why they love each other so much because they, at this point, it is telepathy. They read each other's minds. And I think back to some of the guys that have worked really, really well instantly with Messi, and I think David Villa is one of those. But I, I think even he had his learning curves where he goes, okay, well, I, I have these runs I can do behind the defense, and Messi will know that I'm going to do that. And then we'll build our chemistry on the ground with those short passes and dink-offs and things like that. We'll build that over time. So building a system around Messi 
is quite difficult. And he basically, that being Scaloni, used the group stage to figure out that Argentina were best with two strikers up top and those two strikers over the course of the tournament. Sergio Aguero was always going to be the choice, but Latoro Martinez became the other choice, the other striker over time throughout the tournament. And, and this is basically the best Argentina could throw at Brazil. Um, and I think it is a credit to Scaloni. And while I'm not sure if his, his, his pedigree is enough to make him interim manager, I was kind of frustrated with the fact that the narrative throughout the whole game was that he was certainly going to be fired if the, I mean, you have to say it, the inferior Argentina wound up beating superior uh, Brazil, unless that happened, that Scaloni was done. I think from the start, uh, it was a frustrating narrative. You could tell that, um, obviously, they're in Brazil, and if you go back on YouTube, you can watch my video about the history of the Copa America that came out uh, about a week and a half ago, and I talked about not only how the host nations do really well, so obviously with a pro-Brazil crowd behind them, Brazil does well when they're at home. I even thought, you look back at the history, again, not to give too much away, go over YouTube, check that out, but even Bolivia, they won their own home tournament. It's the only times where some of these countries, in Colombia, their win coming at home as well. So teams do better at home, Copa America, and South America is a big continent. With the differing in elevation, in the differing, even a country like Brazil, where there's, if we remember back in the 2014 World Cup, from stadium to stadium, there is completely different temperature, elevation, all those different things uh, can change from match day to match day for you. So playing in Brazil is a challenge, challenge that affects the Brazilian players much, much less. Now, that's not an excuse or anything for Argentina. It's just those are the, the, the facts going back through the, the, the annals of history. That's why when Uruguay, who have historically been the best team at the Copa America, when they bowed out to Peru, I mean, yes, it was uh, a tough pill to swallow for Luis Suarez and, you know, what you call that golden generation for Uruguay, but Uruguay are always going to be a favorite for this tournament. So it is a shock whenever they go out. That said, this was a chippy match, I think, to start with. I, I want to say one of, not to start from the, the end and go back, but when Messi went, we'll say, loco a little bit on the officials after the match in that, that, that post-game mixer, I think he's alluding to and going back to that tackle on Messi by Casemiro in the 28th minute, uh, and I think that's where a lot of it stemmed from. And then from there, I think things really, really got out of hand. I mean, there were some things before that, Things got chippy in the ninth minute when Nicolas Tagliafico goes into the book for a challenge on Gabriel Jesus. Then Coutinho and Paredes, as we already mentioned, they were getting chippy as well shortly thereafter. And I think in the 28th minute with that tackle by Casemiro, he, you know, to his credit, he's one of those few players that really seems to rile Messi up. I think that whenever there's a tackle, there is some words or something, something little extra that Casemiro gives to Messi because there are times when in their matchups between Barcelona and Real Madrid that even Argentina and Brazil where Messi has absolutely embarrassed Casemiro and there are times when I, I think a, a, a day like today when Casemiro he hits hard and he hits early and it seems to rattle Messi just a little bit not enough to throw him off his game because he was good in this game but just enough to basically affect the dynamic of the entire match because that's what Messi does whatever Messi's feeling or he I think he has an ability to take down the tension of his teams not even through words but through action and with him riled up I think the rest of Argentina was riled up uh, for better or worse and we'll get to that in a second now, I think with that midfield that we've talked about, you saw in about the first 25 or so minutes of the game that the Argentina, Argentina problem of linking defense with attack, Messi dropping, he, he dropped deep, and that led to a long-range shot from Paredes, which uh, was Argentina's first foray to goal. And having Messi drop deep, I thought Argentina's game plan, 
I'm not sure, again, if it was X's and O's, Scalonia talked about it before the match, or Argentina just kind of settled into it, but Messi wasn't always dropping deep, and I thought there was good movement that allowed Argentina to, at times, just, again, try to work through the middle for him, but at other times, again, it was pretty cut off, and Messi, even in that second half, had some unfortunate giveaways that put Argentina on their back foot and Brazil on the break, but again, I thought... Argentina and Messi in particular did a good job of just varying up when Messi would come back and receive the ball and move forward. And with that counterattacking style that Argentina, I think, absorbing a little bit of pressure, then cutting out, I think their game plan of doing that, and then the way the, the match got scrappy, I started to ask, who did a disjointed, hot-blooded game benefit? And it, again, it was odd to me that it seemed like announcers and Twitter and everybody was saying that making it Messi, uh, no pun intended, was, was in favor of Argentina. And I don't know if that's entirely true. I, I think Argentina, because of the skill that they have in their team, these are guys who are playing at a high level. And while not everybody in Argentina, like, like Nicolas Odomendi, is not the first choice at Man City, so he's had a lot of time trying to recapture his form, or Herman Pezea is not a guy that you're going to say, oh, certainly Argentina can rely on Fiorentina center back, uh, who, again... He's good enough for this tournament, and he found his way in this tournament, but, you know, is he as good as when Miranda came on for Marquinhos? Is he even as good as Miranda? Uh, Certainly not. But with that said, I I think Argentina, to play their game, it's going to take, it was going to take a lot of confidence and just finding their feet on the ground. Again, they do have the skill to to play with Brazil. Uh, I I don't know, the narrative seemed to be the opposite uh, of what I heard, that Argentina would try to, you know, get under Brazil's skin and, and make it disjointed, but... The quality on Brazil, I think that still supports Brazil because so many of their guys in their starting 11 could have a moment of, of brilliance, as we're about to get to with Danny Alves, where pretty much everybody on that starting 11 for Brazil could have an individual moment in a way that Argentina, you know, Messi's the only one who really has the individual moments. Even Aguero plays so much in that system, very rarely do we see any magic from, from Kun Aguero. To me, another thing about this being hot-blooded is, as the match went on, Let's talk about Artur. This starts Artur year two for me, I think, with this tournament. He looks like he's got a little more attitude nowadays. And, I mean, the question, why wouldn't you? You now play for Barcelona. You're now, you know, one of the, considered one of the top midfielders in the world. He made a sterling first impression, and now he knows how important he is, I think, to La Grana and Brazil. Hopefully, really, hopefully, guys like Puj and Alenia can push him enough this year where he isn't comfortable even if he's still playing behind Rakitic and Vidal again, which I don't know if that's going to happen all the time. But I think with Artur, there seems to be something about his confidence, which for better or worse, I think he's got a mentality that and a personality that we haven't seen all of yet because he did just play by the rules in his first year at the Camp No. So I'm interested to see what happens here in year two, and I really do feel like this is the beginning of it. We haven't really gotten to any of the goals yet so far. Tactically, that's what this was. It was a masterclass where uh, the goals wound up coming because of little mistakes Argentina made and Ar- and Brazil were able to capitalize on it. Now, I was impressed though, and you could saw what it, it meant to Messi in that first 30 minutes as well. He was pressing a little more than he does at Barcelona, and that, that but that to me left that front three, they left, they still left the other seven pretty much on their own to absorb pressure. They were not really putting everybody behind the ball because they wanted to, to counterattack. Um, and, and I think unfortunately, you look at Lataro Martinez and, and Aguero and and Messi did have some counterattacks, but between Aguero and Martinez, they're not going to be using their 
There are crazy amounts of pace in the way that Everton, uh, who was pretty actually quiet in this game compared to the rest of his tournament, where he's probably been the best guy at the, at the Copa America for any team. But they, you know, they're not guys that are going to use their pace to completely break out on a counterattack. Uh, so unfortunately, that kind of puts Argentina in a bind. And I, I'd say that's kind of what helps lead to the first Brazil goal. Gabriel Jesus starts in the midfield, a nutmeg by Coutinho. Danny Alves shows that he might have a little something left in the tank as Argentina players jump in with excited tackles and miss. No look pass to Firmino from Alves, and Juan Foyth is late to rotate over to Jesus in time. One of the keys to Brazil uh, this match was their movement, particularly with, uh, we'll say that, almost that front four, if you will. And I thought just finding space, working in and out and around. Uh, they won their one versus one battles, and that's what led to the goal. So, you know, they weren't just playing in their zones. You weren't just expecting one guy to pop up on the left wing, one guy to pop up on the right wing, but they were moving uh, moving rather well um, wherever there was space, and that really was the key to the Brazil attack. And as I said, this starting 11 for Argentina, they seem to have some chemistry, but you know, the issue with putting Lo on the bench is that a guy like DePaul just doesn't have the same ability to bring the ball out of the back four. Uh, Paredes is similar, but he does, to me, seem to get a little impatient, opting for long balls and conceding back possession at times. But still, Argentina had it, and they say that there was some unlucky moments in this game. 30th minute, Aguero header just misses from the Messi free kick. It was just to the, the, the free kick from Messi just to the left of the goal, of the goalkeeper looking out, uh, but just too far out for a shot and it found Aguero perfectly and he hit the crossbar uh, then the 36 minute nice counter-attack dribble by Messi right up through the middle of the field and Aguero smashes it off Marquinhos uh, but that was another one of those moments where where Argentina looked like you know if those two shots go in now we're talking 2-1 as opposed to still one nothing in the hole and I think Chiche saw that, that Argentina were growing into it. And there were some mistakes by Coutinho as Argentina were playing into the match in the, in the, you know, in the 30s and 40s of the minutes, uh, where Coutinho's position for Brazil, as we talked about, is just so much more important. And with Arthur and Casemiro behind him, you see how it opens him up for so much more. Not to mention that Firmino and Everton had a ton of defensive duties, which for Barcelona... Uh, you know, sometimes, and not sometimes, but uh, Messi just doesn't have those same responsibilities. And Dembele, I think, is still even learning those responsibilities when he's on the field. But Coutinho, I thought, was still a bit wasteful with it. Uh, but because of the position he's in with the guys behind him, uh, again, it doesn't hurt Brazil in the way that it does Barcelona a lot of times when he's stranded out on that left wing. But Chiche knew he had to make some changes. And it wasn't Coutinho who came off at halftime, but it was Everton, Willian on, and Maybe that could have been for experience, but Brazil opted to work down the right side of Argentina's formation with Acuna, sort of tucked in, and it didn't put too much pressure on Alves, so Danny Alves was allowed to do what he wanted to do. So I, I think Willian just came on to completely solidify that, that left side. Now, DePaul misses around the 50th minute as Argentina really did come out with a, with a flurry in that second half. Uh, it was a good combination between Aguero, Martinez, and Messi. But again, the miss from DePaul, uh, another one of those where Argentina would like to have it back. And in the same, in the same regard, 54th minute, Coutinho with the miss. Could have put the match away, but they continue on. Messi in the 57th minute, as I said, Argentina really came out firing here, just hitting the woodwork. Uh, and that was something that we saw a lot this season as well. Messi hits a lot of woodwork, particularly in the, in the fall uh, this season, and that came off. But again, if you're taking so many shots and you have so many opportunities, you're going to hit the woodwork, and it's bound to happen quite often. But uh, it seems to happen, happen to Messi over the last year and a half quite a bit of time. 
and then brought in uh, Angel Di Maria, who slotted at the same midfield position as Acuna. And his positioning this game as well was talked a lot about. He is a, a, a free mover in the same way that Paul Dybala, who came on as a late sub as well. So Argentina, they do. They have a lot of guys that have at their club teams this kind of freedom to play uh, somewhere in what would be a front three or an attacking midfield role. And, you know, there, there just aren't enough slots for everybody. So Scaloni, uh, it, was, it took a lot of guts. I guess it hasn't taken a lot of guts to bench the, uh, Dybala um, if you're an Argentina uh, manager because it's been proven that that just doesn't seem to work with Messi and Dybala together. But to, to, to bench Di Maria throughout the course of this tournament, I think pundits were really saying that obviously that was the right thing to do and Scaloni did come to realize that. But Di Maria, there was still hope in him that he could have a big moment uh, late on when the game realistically had opened up a little bit because Brazil were not just tucking in and guys like Artur continued to push forward for Brazil and continued to uh, work hard sideline to sideline and defensively though Brazil that's where they really were astute and again a credit to Artur playing as a defensive midfielder the question I have though I just want to throw this out into the universe and you can respond uh, in the comments or wherever you'd like would Artur have stayed at Grêmio for another season and be starting in this Copa America for Brazil I'm not entirely sure about that at all, but again, that's what playing for a, a top club gets you, that gets you noticed, that gets you seen. And so, as, as I said, I, I wonder if Chiche, who did notice Arter prior to the World Cup, you know, and, and there clearly was communication, and he clearly was part of the equation. So I think he was already on the radar, but I just, I do wonder if he would be a complete starter here. And that goes back to something I've been talking about in recent pods on, I've been hard on Valverde, about which players have improved. And so I do wonder if I just haven't seen or been able to find a tangible way to explain improvements in Arter's game since he moved to the Camp Nou. Uh, but I think this Copa America tournament uh, has shown that maybe he came with it from Brazil, but defensively, he has been fantastic in this tournament. Uh, again, he's playing with a little more bite, a little more confidence than we have. So maybe he has refined some things, learned some Arturo Vidal dark magic uh, that he's, he is putting into his skill set, which just makes him an all-around better player, though a little more privy to yellow cards. Now, things did not go completely as Chiche planned. Certainly didn't want to have to replace Marquinhos with Miranda, but there he was, and yet shows you the depth of the center-back position as we talked about for Brazil. Before Miranda could come on, though, Di Maria didn't get a good enough touch on a ball that went over the top, over the top of the defense, and you count it, that's now five opportunities that Argentina had where they were, uh, they, they had a good chance on goal, they just weren't able to convert, uh, and those, as you all know, will continue to come back to bite you because that second goal comes soon after. Firmino's tap-in from that run from Gabriel Jesus, and Juan Foyt completely falls asleep. I think all the replays showing that he was tracking back, but I don't know what happened there. He just was, was standing completely flat-footed, completely stationary, and it allowed past... Uh, Jesus got past him on the counter, and then Pazea missed the tackle. Odomendi tries to rush over, and that means Firmino gets the easy tap in because Jesus brought three three of the four on the back line uh, over to him, and Tagliafico was obviously caught between uh, two or three minds with all those players storming down the right side. The thing I do again want to mention too, credit to Brazil defensively, it's not just Argentina missing their opportunities, but how many yellow shirts were in the box every time the Argentina was anywhere near Allison's goal. I thought Brazil's defensive shape was just all around better. Uh, I think it didn't just come down to individual narratives, Casemiro versus Messi, or this dumb one that people are going with, Allison versus Messi, because Allison was in the net for Roma, then in net for Liverpool. I think that's a. I think it's completely irrelevant uh, which goalkeeper is is uh, facing off against one of the outfield players. I think that that's utter nonsense. It's not like it was 
one-on-one uh, -on -one opportunities that we saw. Yes, a free kick. I get it. Messi's good at making them. It doesn't seem to have luck against Allison. Uh, but it's not like the positioning on a lot of those free kicks today were as advantageous as they are uh, throughout the course of a season when he's able to convert on free kick opportunities. I don't think Messi really had a moment where he was close enough or had a, a really terrific uh, look at it. I think each one really would have had to been something truly, truly, even Messi special uh, to get past Allison on any of those. Again, he's a top-level goalkeeper uh, who just won the Champions League. So again, I, I didn't really like that narrative. Forget about that. And then we get back uh, talking more about Arthur having that chip, 85th minute, smashing Otamendi, which should have been a penalty. Uh, I think people were completely agreeing with this, that if that happens anywhere else on the field or earlier in the game, it's a foul, it's a penalty. But because it happens in the 85th minute, because of tensions had already uh, got completely out of whack, that Arthur was allowed to get away with that. So the one thing I do want to say, I think every team needs a little bit of bite. Arturo Vidal provides that for Barcelona. Um, but one of the reasons I, I've always been drawn to a lot of the players that uh, I was really disappointed back in the day when Busquets, there's that gif that will always be uh, immortalized on the internet of him peeping an eye out uh, after he'd taken a foul, seeing what the reaction was. And that hurt his credibility, that hurt his reputation. And for Barcelona, I always want to make sure that Barcelona have players that have good reputations on the field and just seem to have a level of sportsmanship uh, that is better than the opponents. As silly as that is, I mean, that goes along with our belief as Kool-Aid that we want Barcelona to win the right way. And, you know, this kind of physical contact by Artur, it looked very much like it was on purpose. And again, these are just the kind of like dark arts things that, A, uh, if the referee had a little more gall and made the right decision, that would have been a penalty and see how that looks. So I would hope that Arthur just cleans that kind of stuff up. And I hope this doesn't mean that in year two, uh, he adds those kind of things to his game. I just want him to add a little more bite, but not necessarily a guy that's going to do things like that. So the, the last thing I want to say here is the way we're framing Argentina's success, getting to the semifinal here in this tournament. We know that with the likes of Maradona and Messi that Argentina, and obviously not through Messi's years, but Argentina have been dom dominant and they're expected to make pretty much every final and semi-final of every tournament. They were dominant through the 70s up until the early 90s, and it is well chronicled that their last uh, major international tournament came in 1993. But, but that said, the rest of the world has caught up. When you look at the teams historically that have been great, as France has continued to win the World Cup, um, Chile, uh, you have to mention, their, world, their Copa America wins have been surprising. And that's because they built an infrastructure over the course of uh, 100 years. Again, go back to that Copa America history video and you'll see that, that this Chile golden generation that won two straight Copa Americas uh, in the middle of this decade, they have cultivated that talent. And they found a way with experienced players to get it done in these international tournaments, which it does take a federation to buy in to that idea and to stick with a program and to stick with a system. And Argentina, their FA has been a mess. Things have been completely disjointed. And as the rest of the world continue to catch up, the, the federations that decide to go all in on, on themes and decide to back players and to do all the right things like France did in 2018, like Germany did before that, like Spain did uh, at the end of last decade, and Spain continues to do with their U21s winning, uh, led by Danny Olmo and, and, and Ceballos. The Spain 
system obviously is built to do that right. Uh, the Germany system is built to do that right. The France system is built to do that right. And, and South America is just a different game. And, and it is funny to me. There's uh, I would continue to I'm going to do the same thing. Continue to educate ourselves about just the difference between the European sides and uh, what's happening internationally with the South American sides or what's happening with the African sides. Uh, and, and another podcast I do listen to generally about soccer and they're talking a lot about the Women's World Cup at the moment. Uh, it's called Burn It Down. And they were talking about uh, uh, how in the international game, at least, you cannot disparage the effect of colonialism even in the last 100 years and how that affects national teams. And we see the ones who continue to be world powers in France, in Germany, in Spain, things like that. And the way that they do pull players in from the Netherlands, they continue to pull players in um, from other parts of the world. And it does play a factor. So I say that. And when it comes to Argentina, those players are from Argentina. One of the friends of the pod and James Goulet, I have to give him credit. He is always on the the bandwagon of Messi should have uh, gone to Spain. But there is something about Messi staying with Argentina and Argentina, the FA at the time after, you know, he, he wins the, the U20, uh, and then the Olympic gold. So it's not like Messi and his international career have always been dry, but it has been difficult of late. But I think the last thing I want to say, difficult means he didn't come home with gold. And I think that's a silly idea that for as bad as the FA has been and for a, a, such a negative way that Argentina have, and the poor job that Argentina have done of cultivating their own talent uh, at home, uh, I think that looking at Argentina's recent success, even a semifinal loss here to Brazil is about as good as Argentina could have done. And people put it on Messi. He's the best player, but there is 11 guys on the field. And it, it's silly that the narrative continues to be about him in Argentina. Uh, and I think it should be in hindsight, but we can worry about that then. This Brazil team is better than Argentina, even with Messi. That was it. That, that, that was the story. And you go back, yes, obviously... Argentina were better when they lost those two Copa Americas, and uh, I think it was a wash when they lost in extra time to Germany. But to make two straight Copa America finals and to make the final of the World Cup, and then bowing out here in the semifinals, it's not like Argentina completely blew up or uh, like Germany at the last World Cup when they bowed out in the group stage. I, I think that that embarrassing result by Germany is way worse than what's happened uh, with Argentina. In, in these last few tournaments. Uh, so I, I, I don't think that while he's missing a World Cup or what have you, the international game has changed, and it's not just one or two or three teams could be the favorite at any present time in the World Cup. And in the last most recent World Cup, there was, what, six teams maybe, seven teams who would say, we've got a real good shot at this one. You look back through the annals of World Cup history, and there's really only two or three that possibly have the firepower to win the World Cup. And, you know, going all the way back, obviously, to the 30s and, uh, and I think to a time in the 50s, it was a little bit more of a crapshoot. That's true. But, um, you know, of recent de- uh, dynasties in the 70s and the 80s uh, and even going back to Brazil in, in the 60s and the late 50s, you know, they just had more talent than everybody, and they were favorites to win those. I mean, Hungary in the 50s, they were that upset, that the, the, the mighty Magyars that lost to Germany. They were such an upset to lose that, which brings me all to that final point that, uh, that again, this is going to be seen as a black stain on Messi's career, but it absolutely should not be. He found success by getting as far as he did, and there are so many memories and so many big matches, and while he wound up on the losing end of those, it doesn't mean that it was a complete failure. I think the way that we view success uh, as getting to the top of the mountain is silly if we don't take it out of context. Uh, it's as if you were rooting for, uh, and I guess 
Uh, shouts to all of our Lithuania fans. I'm going to use Lithuania as an example, but if Lithuania doesn't get to the World Cup, uh, or e if they miraculously did get to the World Cup and then got smashed everywhere, uh, I think it's silly to consider that a failure. In the same way that you saw at the Women's World Cup when Thailand, who got obviously annihilated by the Women's World Cup, when they finally scored that goal, you saw what that meant to them. And we're able to use for those smaller countries, we're able to use that lens of understanding. But then when it comes to getting bigger and bigger, we don't, we seem to forget as the match just start and as the whistle's blown the issues that Argentina has continued to have over 20 years that is much greater than Messi and has nothing to do with him so that is I guess you call it the defensive Messi that's what all that the whole point of that was the I guess I you tried to use a lot of international examples there but as we've said Brazil the host nation they move on all right, so this was a super long edition of a quick take match review. It wasn't a quick take at all. This was a extensive match review of Brazil against Argentina. And while they aren't this long, over on the Patreon, this is the kind of thing you have to look forward to if you go over in the season to our Patreon page. Again, it's as low as $1. You can get that content. Uh, $3, again, $5 helps out. And we have some of our Patreons that I want to give a big thank you to at the $10 level as well, uh, and we will be having a Patreon-only show uh, upcoming this summer, and I'm looking forward to that as well. So while this was not an official show with an official number, I still want to thank you for tuning in, for listening. Uh, you can give me, again, this is all, not a guess, this is all me today, uh, so give me some feedback on, on this, and again, this was just a little bit of a taster, a little bit of a solo effort here. I hope you enjoyed it, and thanks so much for tuning in. As always, tap in the app, check out the show notes to subscribe. You can also find us on social media, on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod, or at HiltonD13 for me, and on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group, tbpod.link backslash group, deeper dives, discussions, and they always help us out with LaRonda questions as well. And as I've said, uh, this was an effort just to get you to understand the things that are available over on Patreon, where you can continue making these shows. As you've heard, still don't have ads, nothing like that. Uh, there has to be a way for me to keep making these shows, and at the moment, it's just through Patreon at TB pod.link backslash patreon the other way to really help us out we have a youtube channel and while there is no video coming out this week uh per se there is plenty of content and i've got a lot of ideas uh that will be coming out uh shortly uh, and that is at the barcelona podcast youtube channel subscribe there that's what i need to help me out there i need some new subscribers so again you can just hit that subscription button it's a big help so thanks so much for listening to the barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon and for Barca. Guys, this year for Christmas, give her the next best thing to wearing nothing at all with soft, silky nudies pajamas available exclusively at pajamagram.com. Sensuous and smooth, nudies pajamas feel just like her own bare skin. Nudies is so seductive, she'll love the feeling of wearing next to nothing at all. And you'll love the way they look. Includes free gift packaging and delivery by Christmas is guaranteed. So visit pajamagram.com today. That's pajamagram.com. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.